Everybody has Christmas traditions, whether it's uh, singing Christmas carols with your family, watching the Grinch, or even sticking a pickle in your tree somewhere. Um, but where do these traditions come from? We we have a lot of uh, a lot of differing traditions today. We're going to kind of look at the the history of Christmas. Let's go. Hey there, I'm Thomas. And I'm Sam. And this is the Silent Planet Podcast. Uh, today we're discussing uh, Christmas and Santa Claus and Yule and Saturnalia and the Christmas tree and all kinds of things. <laughs> like Merry Christmas. Got a whole whole lot going on here. Where where did Christmas come from? I for for me, I know that growing up we always had a tree in the house. Um, if we could afford it or afford the time, we would put lights up. Uh, we would do Christmas caroling with our church. Um, a lot of warm spirited things, but, uh, the deeper you dig into, you know, Christmas history or Christmas past for lack of a better pun, um, there's some pretty dark stuff, uh, you know, or can be at least depending on who's celebrating what and why. Did you have the real tree or was it the the fake? Always fake. Yeah. Always fake. That's what we have to use too. Well, we never saw the I imagine our allergies would go nuts. Yeah. Merry Christmas, and you're sneezing all the time. All over the, the yeah. ornaments. Golly. Well, we, we never, for, for Julie and I, we've not seen the point because it's like the, the tree is alive, so you have to like, uh, sort of, it's like chopped down, but you have to put it in water and right. continue to, to grow it. And, and well, you keep catching your dogs, drinking the water drinking out the of water. the tree. <laughs> well, yeah. Stop drinking the Speaking water out of the Christmas tree. <laughs> we, I've seen uh, Christmas vacation so many times. I don't want to, to get, you know, squirrels. Yeah, or, that, that might be part of the conversation, too. What cats. are the Christmas movies that you have to watch? Because uh, there are there there is a uh, I think there's an important list of films that are worth your time. Must watch it. Yeah, if you're gonna really do Christmas correctly. For for us, the very first one we watched, and and usually the top of our list is The Grinch with Jim Carrey. Yeah. That, okay. That one specifically. Excellent. Why did they do another one? I don't get why there's a the, the more recent one that, that I think is uh, um, Benedict Cumberbatch. It's oh am- yeah, animated. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I love Cumberbatch. I do Don't too. get me wrong. Everything he does, I think, is he's got the Midas touch. Oh yeah. And I'm sure if he had done that first, then we'd be asking, like, I don't know, do we really need another movie with Jim Carrey doing the Grinch? See, I've but, got my but, arguments about it though. And and I thought that initially, like, I'd see like the the because I remember when the movie came out and seeing like the trailers and all that. And I'm like, yeah. And I'm like thinking, Oh gosh, Jim Carrey's doing a Grinch movie. This is going to be, uh, who knows? And then you see it and you're like, this is really clever. Yeah. I think that's some of the best Jim Carrey stuff out there. Yeah. And, and that, um, uh, and a lot of that might have to do with the fact that it's directed by Ron Howard too, but, um, just letting Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey. That's what Ron Howard did. It's not necessarily yeah. the traditional Grinch. Yeah. It's yeah. Jim Carrey's Grinch, but it's brilliant it's, in so many places. It's what we've all grown up. Actually, you know, interestingly enough, one of, uh, one of my wife's favorite bands for a long time, uh, is called the pretty reckless and uh-huh. had no idea. Cindy Lou who grew up and she's now the, the singer of oh, really? that band, T- Taylor, uh, <laughs> Mosman. Mos- Mos- okay. I'm saying it wrong properly. Um, but they're like, like hard rock and yeah. 
she doesn't dress appropriately. It's not once again another yeah, non yeah. recommendation. I'm not Cindy, recommending Cindy Cindy Lou who went a different direction. She went. She, yeah, she went. She up, grew up. She did. she she went all uh, um uh what Demi Lovato or um, no, no no she went uh, um sex drugs Lin- and rock Lindsay and roll Lohan. Kind of. yeah. She went Lindsay Lohan on it. Yeah yeah <laughs> they, they make some good music, <clears throat> but it's not uh it's definitely not Where Are You Christmas yeah. anymore <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um. But no, yeah, as far as, as far as the movies go, I I had my qualms with the newer one. We tried to watch the first little bit of it, and I know there's funny stuff in it. It's animated, and it's for kids or whatever, and um, I know several adults that enjoy it, but it's like they did You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, and then like that that whole musical segment, mm-hmm. it's this guy that's like kind of, he's not really rapping, but he's not really singing, so he's like rap talking and ruins the song, completely ruins it during this yeah. whole opening segment i'm like we we put it on just to watch it and i was like i, we, I can't sit through this i'm done i gotta be done with this i'm, I'm completely checked out at this point because you yeah. ruined the song so what else did you possibly ruin yeah i don't know maybe i, I should yeah, give it another I, shot i didn't give i i didn't give it a whole lot of time just because i feel like if you um you've got a lot of stuff that you should be watching i think in terms of if you're going to do uh, christmas correctly is there really time to do more than one grinch um, depending on who if there's only going to be time for one, it's going to be the Jim Carrey one. Yeah. We started watching them in November. Oh so. yeah. If you're really serious, you know, and your list is that big, yeah. but, uh, but, uh, for, and I suppose this year we've had more time to sit around and, <laughs> if, if you're yeah, still locked in your house and, uh, uh, working from home, whatever, you may have more time to mm-hmm. catch some of those. So, so yeah, definitely, uh, the Jim Carrey Grinch, I would say, um, makes the list, uh, uh in our house, Christmas vacation, Christmas vacation, Chevy Chase, National Lampoon's Christmas. Yeah. Vacation yeah. That's, that's pretty, pretty great stuff too with, uh, uh, I don't know. I just love Andy. Randy Quaid, Randy Quaid in those movies just he <laughs> emptying kills his it. septic into yeah. the the storm drain. Yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna repeat the line. <laughs> it's when, so funny though. when he finally gets his Christmas bonus, and it's just like the the jam of the month, jelly of the month, yeah, club. jelly of the month club. <laughs> and he was expecting something big enough to help him put in a pool. He already put the down deposit for the pool, and instead he gets jelly of the month. Yeah, <laughs> he's that's the the gift that keeps giving all year, Clark. <laughs> it's right. like just every time he opens his mouth something brilliant comes he's out eating the, uh, what is it the the cat litter jello or whatever cat food jello and he's oh, the gosh. only one eating it but he's getting seconds <laughs> yeah great great movie uh we like mixed nuts in our house that's one of mary's favorite yeah and and i i hadn't been watching that one that was a family tradition for her but um quickly adopted that as a uh, another must watch for christmas uh that's a steve martin yeah. um uh, she uh mary makes the point that they it's one of the best christmas movies and everybody and it's jewish yeah. <laughs> you know but yeah but it's it's really funny he's running like a suicide hotline and um uh, uh allegedly he's it, they don't make any money they can't pay their their overhead their lease mm. right so they're they're going to get evicted and he's got to figure out how to keep them from getting evicted in the meantime um it, just every character is so outlandish yeah. in it. and it's a combination cast where you get all these outlandish characters together everything can go wrong can go wrong of course there's a a, a love story that's mixed into all of it too mm-hmm. so it's just another one of those that was um, some brilliant writing and just the right cast came together, I think, to make a, a Christmas classic. 
And of course, Ralphie, we can't miss Ralphie in the shoot your eye out. Now, some people say that's that's a little bit oversold now. I think they're tired of Ralphie, but I've got to say I still love Ralphie. My my entire child, first off, I've never seen a Christmas story all the way through. Oh, really? Just bits and pieces of it. And and my problem with it is, is I guess because I didn't necessarily grow up with it, uh, the movie itself just made me feel uncomfortable when it was on. Just that I don't know why. And for a lot of people, that's a nostalgic movie. So they're like, that's my favorite. But yeah. the fact that it was uh, always dominating TV around Christmas time, they were doing like full day, like 24 hours a day marathons. of oh, Christmas That's the story. only one you're going to watch. And I was like, I just don't want to. When it's over, we're start restarting it again, starting just it again. in case you missed it. It's like yeah. the Macy's Day Parade. We're going to keep which, this on a loop. Which to my own defense is is why I never could see it all the way through. Because every time I turn it on, I'm halfway through it or yeah. at the, the latter half of the movie. Like, I'm not going to watch the whole thing. Uh, I'm not going to watch half of the end and then start it over to catch the first half and watch it out of sequence. So it just never happened. Oh, me. I think it's brilliant though. I think, uh, uh, again, a combination of superior writing, funny story and just the right cast yeah. comes together. Well, My favorite character in that though, honestly, is the dad. He's not the main character in it, but he's the one that cracks me up the most. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, it's that typical <laughs> dysfunctional dad. And, and and he's a foul mouth on him. But since the, the, the movie's rated appropriately for families, all the swearing he does are made-up words. Oh, yeah. Which is part of the fun, is that they've this got is, this guy playing the dad we all know trying, saying, trying to legitimately saying. be saying, like, bad words, but but what they're saying is straight-up gibberish. Like, it doesn't even sound like bad words. And it's like, who came up with... That's what I want to know. Who was the guy that came up with the clever, like, here's the gibberish that the dad's going to be when he's down fighting with the furnace or whatever, and he's shouting these things up this like stream of what's supposed to be swear words but all you're hearing is this funny like Random gibberish yeah. they probably did it because I love he, it. Was, he was saying words that were so ridiculously inappropriate that the kid has no idea what he was saying yeah or that's maybe. what it maybe it's supposed to be this is what it sounds like to a kid when an adult <laughs> starts talking that yeah. way but uh either way that's some of my favorite stuff on there is just when the dad gets to doing his ranting and raving and it's all gibberish that's and you're just like okay you're supposed to be supplying here that he's actually swearing all yeah. this time we so. we always well at least i always try to get uh, gremlins in at some point that's mm-hmm. i don't i couldn't tell you why that's a christmas movie but i guess because it's well, it happens at christmas, at christmas yeah um but yeah that's that's one that uh julie has never seen and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and, and we're gonna watch it and traumatize her with Gremlins. Uh-huh. Um, but some somehow managed to get it. One of my favorite scenes in that is the uh, the Gremlins get out and cut the brakes on the car or whatever. Um, or they're they're in there and they mess with the wiring and that the the old grandma's chair the the one yeah, where she can't yeah, walk yeah. up and downstairs it's the motorized chair yeah and he sets it off and it sends her up at like 60 yeah. miles an hour and flies out the window it goes up the stairs so fast yeah the motorized uh uh elevator for their staircase yeah yeah we it, but i guess uh back to our, our our episode our point we we all have these traditions for us obviously we're, we're movie buffs and we'll, we'll always do that but yeah for other people it's like hiding a pickle in a tree as i said before people go out and carol or uh, have Christmas parties. Um, here, here's the question for, for some, why, why do we celebrate Christmas? Um, and why, why is it like, we, we know the, the Christian meaning behind Christmas. Most of us do. Um, but what does it, what does that have to do with a tree? What does it have to do with, uh, carols? What does it have to do with gifts and giving? And, uh, and, and what does that really look like? Um, there, there's a lot of similarities 
uh, as I've, I've done my research here, we found a lot of similarities between um, different cultures, like uh, German roots and Roman roots and stuff like that. Everybody mm-hmm. kind of steals from Norse. each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of some, some, some Norse some Norse stuff going on too. Well, a lot of thievery happening. It seems <laughs> <laughs> seems to be the case. Well, or um, um, maybe not thievery in the whole like cultural appropriation. Um, kind of, kind of way, but, but Cultural things, yeah, thing, things over time, uh, morph in a more organic sense. So, um, are we, are we actually stealing in that sense or are we finding a new context for, uh, practices that were already in place? Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the difference there. It's that, uh, the, the, the idea that Christmas was a pagan holiday, I'm going to say is just flat out false yeah. because without the Christ mass, mm-hmm. which is the, um, the, you know, kind of Catholic, the mass that they do is essentially like observing the death of Jesus and the Christ mass is the one that they do for Christmas. Right. And that's where without Christ, right. And in, in these other traditions that are um, outside of all of that, that it's not really a Christmas tradition. Right. right. So well, and if you if you kind of break down what these other um, holidays were doing, um, not not all the stuff was was bad. Yeah. You know. So like let's let's look at like Saturnalia, which is uh, it's an ancient Roman festival, and uh, they're honoring the god Saturn. Um, basically, uh, they they I mean obviously we can it's debatable, but we could say gambling is a clear loser in that situation. They do a lot of gambling, uh, but they also do gift giving, and then they do this thing called role reversal which is where they take uh, like slaves, right? And, and they set up banquets for them and, and banquet tables and they're eating as if they're the master. So they reverse this role so they can give, I'm not saying obviously slave ownership is really wrong. And there's a, a lot to critique. You could criticize the heck out of, um, you know, Romans in, in general for, for some of the practices that they had. But um, you could at least see some of the positive things coming out of it. Yeah. You know, it's not all, it's not all necessarily bad. Um but with with Saturnalia, the, the interesting thing this is this is kind of where I always get this notion of uh, Christians uh, in in history have always kind of had a tendency to steal holidays a little bit. Saturnalia, um, it was a a festival that kind of happened for a week. It's like a week long festivities that started right around the seventeenth of yeah. December and then would end uh, the twenty third, twenty fourth of December. Right. It just so happens that Christmas has been placed strategically on the twenty fifth. Um, now, uh, St. Augustine, I believe has reason for that. But, uh, if you look at the pattern of, of like Halloween, you know, all Hallows Eve or whatever, right. we took their, um, and their Samhain their holy day or their, their saints day, which was the, the following right. day, the first of November, we placed everything right, right after their pagan holiday and their pagan right. practices right. in that situation too. So, um, I don't know. That's that's kind of where I get this well, thievery idea. Yeah, it's not bad and, and necessarily. I, I've uh, I've heard uh, some people. In fact, there's a, a young lady who I've followed on YouTube who has a YouTube channel where um, she it's called Cracker Bible and she talks about like some of the same stuff we do initially, which is why I started listening to her. But one of her platforms that I would disagree with pretty hardly disagree with is um, she takes a very hard line on whether or not you should participate in any holiday that Mm -hmm. has any connection at all 
to a, a pagan source. So she actually, she won't do, of course, Halloween, but she won't do Thanksgiving either. She won't do Christmas. She's against doing all these things, and she actually promotes that on her page. What about Easter? Uh, well, Easter works because it coincides with when they're doing the um, the Passover. Yeah. And she'll accept doing any of the Jewish holidays. But she won't actually call it, like, Easter? Yeah. Uh, well, no, she'd probably call it Easter then. You're, it's okay to, to to celebrate Easter because it falls within the lines of Passover. Any, any holiday that you can actually pull out from the Bible, mm-hmm. the tent festivals, all of the Jewish stuff, she's okay with doing. And she believes we should still be doing anything that's not actually in the Bible as a festival. She believes we ought not do. So there's not a place you're going to find in Acts where they're necessarily celebrating Christmas on December 25th with a Christmas tree up and Santa Claus has come. Yeah, all of those traditions are much later, right? So she doesn't believe we should recognize any of them. But if Santa's not real, how do they get gifts? So answer me that. And, well, and what's the purpose of the <laughs> gift giving in the in the uh, the Saturn uh, tradition? Saturnalia. Yeah, the Saturnalia tradition here. Um, they're giving gifts, but would we still be participating in Saturnalia today? Would that tradition have lasted beyond the few generations? Yeah. That they practice this. No, this would, among many other pagan things, just kind of be gone in obscurity. We still trade gifts, not because of Saturnalia, but because we've been given a gift, right? Yeah. And because when the the wise men came and uh, the the magi visited Jesus, they brought gifts, right? Right. So this gift giving tradition has this longevity, this, this, um, a hundred years from now, we'll still be giving gifts for Christmas. And, and we continue to give gifts for Christmas. And this idea of Saturnalia is long since, you know, we're not even thinking of that. So are we somehow participating in Saturnalia when we're giving gifts? No, we're participating in the, the, um, recognizing that, Jesus was the gift, yeah. the biggest gift, the greatest gift. And as we give gifts, the uh, kings of old, when they visited him, um, brought gifts themselves, right? Is, so that kinda, tradition is continued on with uh, uh, a new vigor and a new understanding that way. Yeah. I, I have a, um, a very very direct kind of, it's and it's it, it's not meant to be harsh towards any specific person and their opinions. Because that, that person on, later on YouTube, what, what's her name again? Um, her name is Rachel and the YouTube channel is called crack your Bible, crack your Bible. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, like I'm not going to be mean to her. I'm not going to tell her she's wrong. Like you have your own personal convictions about certain things you go for it. I mean, that's your, your prerogative, but, um, kind of like we were talking about on the Halloween episode when, when you're, you know, I, I was raised in a, in a household where, you know, kind of dressing up for Halloween was okay and we could do trick or treating, but there were a couple of years where, um, some of, uh, some of my parents, other friends and their influence kind of hit and they're like, mm-hmm. you can dress up, but you have to do it as a Bible character. Yeah. And that was kind of like my wife's, you know, growing up too. She was, you can be Esther for Christmas if you want. <laughs> it's like, I, I get, I Esther get Esther or Deborah. That's <laughs> it. Those are your choices, honey. Yeah. You can't, or you, Mary, I guess they could be Mary. You too. shouldn't be Bathsheba. <laughs> you shouldn't, uh, that's maybe we shouldn't go Bible characters. We've got to have restrictions on everything a little bit, but I'm going to be Potiphar's wife this year. <laughs> the bad girls of the Bible. Oh, gosh. But no, so like my, my point is, and I, I don't, like I said, I'm, I'm, this is not a direct attack at any one person for not celebrating Halloween or Christmas or whatever, but th- these ideas, 
there, there are so many, so many different ideas. So like with Yule and Saturnalia and uh, Christmas and, and all these other uh, winter solstice, you know, mm-hmm. all these have several things in common of gift giving and decorating and, uh, and celebrating with, with singing and stuff like that um, to just immediately cling to, Oh, it's pagan. We can't do that. Well, that's, that's pretty narrow minded. And, and honestly, you're a fun sucker you know, yeah. to, to <laughs> yeah. an extent I have to say. And, and the same kind of goes for Halloween as well. Like when, when you're, you know, your kid wants to dress up like Iron Man, like his buddy's doing Captain America and his other buddy's Spider-Man and he just wants to be, you know, Iron Man, but you won't let him because, you know, that's pagan or whatever. So yeah. you have to dress up as Moses or, or somebody from the Bible. It's, it's kind of, you're kind of screwing up the holiday in yeah. that aspect. Uh, I, I, again, I'm not against everything that Miss um, Rachel says on Crack Your Bible. Yeah. But, but on that point, I would come to pretty serious contention with her. She might even cancel me if I tried to argue it, um, the point with her, because for her, it's a very serious issue. But, um, but I would point out to her that um, while, yes, we don't have Christmas trees and all that in, in the Bible, and um, there might be like uh, some kind of pagan connection to that, that's kind of how the church has always worked, that first there was the heresy, and then we respond to it, right? That's, right. that's how apologetics works. Hallows Eve, and then yeah. we give Hallows... Well, Halloween, which was actually Samhain, like, and if you listen to our Halloween episode, you know the history behind it. Yeah, but we, we yeah. respond with Hallow's Eve. And well, Hallow's Day. It, just simply having our our Sabbath on Sunday yeah. as Christians, we'll have our Sabbath on Sunday. Well, it was always Saturday. Saturday was the Sabbath, you know, in the Jewish calendar. Should we go back to having our our worship service? Some traditions do that for that reason, but the reason we have it on Sunday is because Jesus was raised on a Sunday. Yeah. We are recognizing the resurrection once every week, right? It's that important that we move the Sabbath. For that. That's a good reason to do that, mm-hmm. right? So um, the, the several of her arguments fall flat, and then even beyond that, there is a lot in Scripture, particularly when you know Paul's discussing the problem in the early church of where if people wanted to become Christian, the, the thought was they had to come completely Jewish first, too. You had to be circumcised. You had to go through all the Jewish rites. Then you could become Christian, right? And he's like, no, we're not going to do that. I feel like she's kind of stepping back into that mold. If she's Mm -hmm. saying we need to reject all of the quote-unquote pagan holidays and go back to only recognizing the Jewish ones, replace Christmas with the festival of tents or, you know, whatever it is um, that, that she wants to do. And I there's that's called Judaizing um, the faith, and Paul was very much against that. So I would point that out to her. I don't know that she would take that criticism very well <laughs> yeah. um, in, in doing so. But uh, so yeah, I <clears throat> I don't think just because we have <clears throat> it's easy to get lost in the traditions that we have. You mm-hmm. can yeah quite easily there's we, so we could many. skip over the whole point of the incarnation. We could skip over the whole Jesus thing and Christmas could just be about what Christmas gift did you get? Did you get the right gift for whoever it is you're expected to buy for? Was it fancy enough? Was it expensive enough? 
Um, did you get your, your tree up and your lights and um, all, all the other stuff? You can de-Christianize it, and it still, and a lot of people do, right? And it, for some, that's like the one of the only times they'll go to church. Mm-hmm. But if that's the only time they're going is Christmas and Easter, how much are they getting out of it? Yeah. Are they really paying attention? Are they somehow... You know, uh, for for um, my family, particularly my father, um, the most to do Christmas, what was most important to him was the Christmas Eve service that we be together, that we participate in some kind of Christmas Eve church service that involved him him singing and you know some kind of message that was important to him. Yeah. And um that was a little bit of a a point of conflict um for a long time in my married life because the Christmas Eve day kind of belongs to Mary's family and her parents and that's when they do most of their gift giving. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. that all has to stop for an hour right about the time they want to do dinner for me to take off and go over to wherever my parents are and join them for the Christmas Eve service. Yeah. But that was a priority that needed to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so while that would create some conflict, that was conflict that would need to happen during this Christmas event for the sake of that's the most important thing to dad. And I'd want to honor him that way. And quite honestly, I got a lot out of it too. Yeah. He he handed that tradition to me. Well, it's, in it's that sense, Christmas Eve services. I mean, I guess t- generally they're they're obviously focused on what the true meaning of Christmas is. But yeah, it, yeah. Looking at that, I mean, you you can get rid of the presents, the trees, the decorations, and all of the, the other traditions, and still be able to celebrate a Christian Christmas without any of it. Yeah. Um, which, like I said before, it, it's it's easy to and and like you said, it's easy to kind of get lost in a lot of that for us. Um, both of us being from divorced families. So it's like, I'm from a divorced family. She's from a divorced family. Yeah. Julie. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and both, both of our divorced families have remarried and, and stuff like that. So we've got like 19 Christmases yeah. and 68 uncles and, and aunts to, uh, to go see. And it's like, um, through all of that, like for the, for the last two weeks of December are just insane. And everybody's calling us and texting us. When are you going to come over? Well, let's make plans. And it's like for, for some of our families, um, we, and this is not, we're not making assumptions about them specifically, but I, like, I know that like my mom's side and my dad's side, I probably won't have them meet at the same Christmas. Like we probably right. won't do that. Uh, and for her family, it's kind of like, um, one of the sides of her family doesn't even really talk to the other side of the family, right. like doesn't even know them. So it'd be kind of weird. So we don't do that. So it's like, um, we, <laughs> the true meaning of Christmas will get lost yeah. in all the noise. Yeah. We, sure. we, there's no reason we can't have a larger family event that, you know, maybe even we host that includes both Mary's family and my family. Those two families could come together and have a Christmas big event and that yeah. would be great. You know, yeah. there, there'd be no problem with that at all. But yeah, when you've got um, divorce in the issue, then it's your own father, your own mother can't be in the same Right. space together. Right. Ugh, yeah. Well, and it can it's be like, a real mess. I, I know from, from past experience uh, in, in, well, I guess, um, more recent history, I had a birthday and, um, my, my mom and, and dad are both like, they're not, they don't hate each other and they don't, you know, they won't vomit at the sight of each other. So they, they can, they can handle being around each other. Um, enough so that my dad was actually doing work on my mom's house for her at one point. Mm. Um, but there was a birthday where I went over to my mom's house to get a couple gifts and have dinner with her. And it just so happened to be the same day that my dad uh, had to finish up something outside. 
And then he came in for a minute while I was opening a present and they were both there. And all three of us, I could tell, we were just like, this is really weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just go, like, I don't know, like maybe I'll just open these later or and it was just odd. Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of. Something that simple becomes we, we complicated. Can all, yeah. And it's, I don't think it's, there's, there's no, I don't think there's any like harsh feelings still. There's nothing, none of that. It's not like going to be some regressed anger that jumps out and we're going to have like a full blown fight. It's just, it's just awkward and that's just the way it is. Yeah. And I think we all know that. So, um, yeah, so we've got a tendency of just with, with the last couple of weeks of Christmas uh, and then pretty much every other holiday, just finding the time to see everybody and to get everybody gifts and to just do uh, just Christmas traditions in general. Yeah. Um, we usually get lost um, get lost in that. But I, th- I think it would be good, uh, you know, for, for a lot of people in that situation or even in normal situations to kind of step back and analyze what is Christmas about and then why do we do what we do? Yeah, yeah. And the oldest of these traditions is probably the solstice, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. it was pretty quick uh, early on that people would look to the sky, look to the stars, and uh, start to base our way of telling time and seasons based on the... Um, bodies above us, you know, in, in the heavens that are moving around. Um, so the, one of the obvious things they would pick up on is the longest day of the year and the shortest day of the year. Right. Right. That was just something that became, okay, this is happening about the same time every year. Right. And it's one of those markers they could set their calendar by. Mm. So it also became two events. The longest day became an event the shortest day became an event and it came to have all kinds of other significance because when you've got these um, um, fairly early on society will base a lot of superstition in what's going on in the sky above them. So there must be some significance spiritually speaking with the longest day and the shortest day. Right. Um, the, it, maybe it's that the God, you're in favor with the gods when you have a long day and when you don't, maybe you need to be aware because they could be angry at you. They can come up with all sorts of different like conclusions based on the simple fact that they figured out pretty quickly. It happens about the same time every year. You have the longest day in the summer, and then you have the shortest day in the winter. And that became the winter solstice, right? It's, it's and other traditions like, built it, out of that. It's kind of like uh, common sense um, or, or like, I guess, uh, scientific fact or fact in general. And then people, human human beings in general, just yeah. applying their own beliefs. So it's like um, yoga, right? If you do these stretches and certain poses, then you're you're paying homage to certain guys. I, I've got a friend and, and a couple of, actually I've heard from multiple, multiple people, they don't do yoga and stuff for, for those reasons. But at the same time, you, uh, the reason they paid tribute to those gods, like when they, yoga was created, I guess, or when they turned it into their religion is because like they did these twists and turns and like, Oh, I actually do feel better. So I'm getting blessed, but there's scientific evidence yeah. to back up why. And it's the same with, uh, acupuncture. Right. Okay. You go to the origin and the roots of acupuncture. You're, you know, doing this weird stuff for gods and chi and, and all this spiritual stuff. But in reality, you're sticking a needle in a muscle and it's causing another muscle to spasm the right way to fix your back problems or, or pain issues. Yeah. So, um, with the sol- solstice and stuff like that, you know, there is the shortest day and the longest day. We have a tendency as human beings to just apply our own meaning to certain things that are, yeah. that just are. Yeah. Well, in particular, when you don't, when you don't have the meaning for why. 
if they don't really, um, they, they're seeing how these solar bodies are, are moving around, but they don't have like a defined cosmology of how all that works, they start to build a spiritual significance instead. Yeah. So there must be something spiritually significant to the fact that you have a longest day and shortest day, and they tend to happen at the same time every year. Yeah. Right. And that's how you get your solstice and the celebrations that come with the solstice, both in the summer and in the winter. And, and that's, it's really not more complicated than that. Yeah. It's just simply pagan tradition started out of what you could recognize happening every year at about the same time. Mm-hmm. So they assume more significance than that. But um, Sam, what about Santa Claus? Yeah, Santa what about Claus. Santa Claus? Is he is he real? Do you do you still believe in Santa Claus? <laughs> I believe in when Tim Allen. Stop. <laughs> Tim Allen, Santa Claus is what I believe. <clears throat> my my, I have an older on my mom's side. I actually have an older cousin, and um, that she is the source of the first time I started to question. The existence of Santa Claus. Don't you hate that person? Whoever it was in your life that started like hinting that there might not be a Santa. Everybody hates that person. Well, we didn't see each other all that much. Um, That's right. And I don't remember the context of it all. Santa Claus wasn't real. So you're like, this person's out. She was the first one to say, you know, Santa Claus isn't real. And and I don't even remember my response to that. Uh, I I don't believe it was a um, immediate world crushing revelation when it happened i'm, I'm gonna i'm just, not sure when it happened for my kids i'm right? gonna i'm gonna make this argument okay anybody who just has like a random family member or random old 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 friend from you know when they're like five years old if you just have like a random i don't like this person for some reason can't pinpoint it go back in your mind i bet you they're the first person to say santa claus isn't really yeah. real yeah he's the one that stole your yuletide joy right yeah, I don't, I don't know for sure all the details on that in my own life, um, but uh, uh, the the way we do Santa actually in because of Mary's family is uh, those are the gifts that you didn't have time to wrap. Yeah, Santa when he brings gifts, he just sets them under the tree. So mm. the gifts that come from mom and dad and from grandma and grandpa and all that other stuff, they're in a bag. Or they're in a, uh, they're all wrapped up, and there's a to and from. But the ones Santa brings are just there. Mm. We just set them out. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's the way we've done Santa Claus in our house. Hopefully, not like the Jack Skellington of, of Christmas comes and just sets down like the little flying vampire bat that terrorizes your child or uh. whatever, and starts the python eating your Christmas tree or whatever it is. And, and well, it's a fun balance too on on Christmas Eve because a lot of time it comes down to the last minute, and the mm-hmm. kids are finally in their rooms, or you know whether or not they're asleep. And Mary and I are looking at these pile of things, saying, "Okay, which one of these are we just going to leave out? What which makes the cut to actually go in a bag?" And at that point, a lot of stuff's already wrapped and in bags, yeah. So you don't have to worry about that. But but the final hour is going to come down. Okay, here are the bags we have left. Right, because we're not wrapping anything at that point. We're just going to do tissue paper and gift bags, mm-hmm. which is quite honestly because we're lazy. The way we do a lot of Christmas <laughs> gifts, yeah. I hate. Just I the, hate wrapping. Yeah, we just I do. do it. We just like bags and and, and not because paper. I lack the rhythm of it. Uh, that you know, I just generally spitting bars isn't really my thing. Oh, oh, wrapping. Yeah, I, I got sorry. You. I was just trying to make a stupid <laughs> Christmas wrapping. <laughs> got you off guard. That didn't really go over so well. <laughs> 
<laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, so we'll use the end of our, our Christmas bags that way if we need to. Um, but if it's from Santa, it's something we can just kind of set out that they yeah. can see right away. So that's kind of the, and that, I guess that's out of um, Mary's tradition. So, um, and with ours too, it, it depends on how many how many gifts are there and how long you want this to go. Do you do that thing where every person has to open one gift and everybody's got to watch them do it? Oh gosh, my contention for that. Like it depends on on Christmas. Christmas Eve is Julie's family tradition. Uh-huh. That's what we do. We always go over to her mom's house for Christmas Eve, and, and while I love it, and I just I just enjoy being with them. Um, for years, the entire time we've been married, it's there, there's this, it's not really a game, but I guess it's called a game where names are written on pieces of paper and torn up and put into a hat. And we all like, it'll just come around and you'll draw a name and whoever's name it is, that's the person that opens a, a gift. Yeah. Um, takes a while that way. Well, oh, well, and what if fun. you keep drawing and one person's already opened all oh, their it's stuff? Happened. Yeah. Oh, it's happened. So, so like, that's the thing is obviously like Julie and her sister are going to get the most gifts. That's, that's her mom. Yeah. She's buying yeah. for her gifts and I never care. It yeah. doesn't bother. Yeah. I just like being there, but yeah. I'll get like maybe five gifts and then each of them will have like 15 or right. 16 yeah. or whatever, whatever it is. And so like, I'll, I'll draw my name like five, six times in a row. And then I'm like, that's my last one. And then the rest of the night, uh, me and, and then, uh, you got to remove your name from the, the yeah, thing. we'll have to do it's that. Like, but then pull it uh, out. Stan, my stepfather-in-law, this, he, both of us, I can tell we're both kind of loving the time and spending it with the family, but we're both falling asleep. Right. Like the whole time. So uh, I have I have some, some contention with that. I will keep playing it. I will yeah. always do it, and I'm not going to question it in the moment. But. I, I, th- I think it's established that only Mary's brother, Billy, can do this. But if we're in the midst of doing the Christmas Eve thing at um, um, at her, her family's house, he can shout out that it's a everybody open round. So everybody takes a gift and they open it, but he's the only one that gets to do that. Yeah. And that was a rule that was established, I think when he was very young. Um, but he does, uh, sometimes, you know, a couple times. Yeah. He'll do that when he feels like it's, it's time. So I appreciate it when he does. Um, and, uh, uh, her grandmother will inevitably, uh, she'll catch her grandmother opening a gift that she's not supposed to oh, <laughs> be yeah. opening yet. It's not your turn yet. And the they'll imp- all like, the yeah. Impatience will set in. Yeah. You, you got to keep your eyes on the, the shifty grandparents. Right, right. Yeah. But that, all that's to say that's fun That's fun stuff, you know, that uh, uh, we get to do on, on Christmas Eve. But this idea of Santa Claus, at least the image of him, they, they say they stole from Odin. Yeah. That it comes out of the Norse mythology and pictures of what Odin looked like and even the color schemes and all of that. That somehow, if uh, you recognize Santa, if when my kids come downstairs and they open the one gift or the two gifts that have been left there unwrapped, therefore they are the Santa Claus gifts, somehow my kids are worshiping Odin. Mm. I don't think so. You sure uh, yeah, about that? Yeah, I'm. I'm you pretty. Sure? <laughs> I'm. I'm pretty. Pretty stable in my uh, convictions there that that's not actually happening. I think right? you, my, you, my conscience is not is not harmed when my children open a gift that's from Santa that they're somehow worshiping Odin. You got to in, in so. order to like worship Odin, there has to be some sort of blood offering yeah, or sure like stick your kid out in a thunderstorm with a lightning rod and just. Right. Let him, you know, get struck by Odin's You at least got to read a Thor comic book. (laughs) I mean, come on. Yeah. Yeah. If they don't even open a Thor comic book, I'm sorry. Santa Claus 
also known as Father Christmas, St. Nicholas, St. Nick, Chris Kringle, or simply Santa. This is from Wikipedia, by the way, is a legendary character originating in Western Christian culture. Now, it's interesting, um, I guess, being accused of, of you know, being ba- based on Odin, we, we created him, kind of, you yeah. know, the Christians did, um, through St. Nicholas. And St. Nicholas was... Um, Which is much later. Yeah. Well, right? He, yeah. Was, and St. Nicholas, uh, let's see... Patron saint of children. Yeah. yeah Greek uh, descent. He's basically a bishop. An early Christian bishop mm-hmm. um, was known for uh, praying, and the prayers would get answered. So that's why people, you know, made him saint, popular. Yeah, made him a saint. But uh, he was he was he was known for um, secret gift giving. Yeah. So whatever what he was giving, I don't know specifically to the poor too. Yeah, like prostitutes, poor people, um, which is which is a good thieves. We is, we do that listed. too at church. Is like you know you adopt some family that's on hard times, which we're doing right now. Yeah, actually. which we're, we and we donate um, into that uh, as well as what we call the the Christmas barrels. Yeah. Right. So it it should be a time, hopefully, if you're really engaged in some kind of charitable giving as well, um, that you're making the Christmas season happen for somebody who may not have the means to do that this year in particular. Yeah. Right. So <clears throat> that is coming. I think that is honoring the actual Saint Nicholas tradition in a, in a good way. Yeah. That that fits with this spirit of Christmas. I, I pick, I would pick St. Nicholas over uh, Odin as far uh, as yeah, who I'm, yeah. I'm paying homage to. Yeah. Um, so to speak. Um, then we've got Sinterklaas, which is a, uh, it's just kind of a Dutch version of St. Nicholas. Same thing. Uh, but let's go, let's go on the opposite, right? There's, there are other traditions in uh, what European folklore. We've got the, uh, uh, the demon Krampus, right? <laughs> the, the opposite of Santa Claus. Basically he is um uh, horned, uh, half goat, half demon being, believe it or not, looks very similar to Baphomet, which came there from, uh, the Knights Templar area. Right. Um, but basically, yeah, uh, he, he is, he is just during the Christmas season punishes children who, uh, who were, who were misbehaving. Um, his origins, uh, predate, um, St. Nicholas. But in some some circles, they say St. Nicholas is, it's like their accomplices. So St. Nicholas will be running around gift giving and, and being nice to people who are good. And then all the bad kids, he's got his little demon Krampus running around and yeah. swinging up children and, and wrangling them up, put them in bags and torturing them for a while. That sounds it looks like. Yeah, it seems to me more like that's just kind of fun to have uh, 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 something that is the antithesis of whatever it is. Uh, and, and there's people that regardless of, how much fun they and how much they might enjoy Christmas will say that, you know, the macabre and, and the taboo is something they tend to lean towards more and that Halloween's their favorite time of year. Yeah. So how can you bring a little bit of the Halloween into the Christmas? Well, you come up with a tradition that's com- the complete antithesis, yeah. Yeah. right? In which well, becomes a ghost story, whatever, for the Christmas season. And, you know, it's all in good fun. There's a, there is a parade um, oh, I think it's called what Krampus Krampuslauf. I don't want to say it wrong. I will say I'll probably say it wrong because I'm not Dutch. But basically, uh, it's this festival where these people dress up, and I'm talking. If you've paid attention to cosplay, and you know these cosplayers spend like thousands of dollars uh-huh. on some of their stuff, it's like that level. 
Like they have the most terrifying, realistic looking costumes <laughs> and they're all running around with horns and chains and stuff like that and carrying, uh, I've seen uh, like an animated or animatronic bag. One of them carries that has kids screaming from the inside, not actual yeah. kids, of course, yeah, yeah. but, uh, they, they take it rather seriously over there. Um, well, it can be fun to do the antithesis too. My, my, one of my favorite, uh, I used to follow the guy that did the ask a ninja Ask a Ninja podcast or Ask a Ninja uh, YouTube mm -hmm. stuff. I love his stuff. But one of my favorite ones is his Christmas episode where he talks about Santa Claus is actually a ninja. Yeah. Who, who else Who else in one night of the year could slip unnoticed into all of those houses? Right. And, a and the, yeah, a ninja. <laughs> he, he's like the one of the master ninjas, according to the Ask a Ninja guy, and that his suit isn't actually red. It's blood stained from all the children that <laughs> caught him, you yeah. know, being yeah, yeah. being up. Yeah, that's that's all fun and funny, you know, coming out of the tradition. Unless you're, tradition. it's not funny if you're one of the kids that he catches. Well, yeah, I suppose. But. We, when I was growing up, we always uh, kind of made the, the jokes that Santa Claus was uh, creepy, like really creepy, because he sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when, when you're, you're awake. awake. Yeah. Uh, and, and he what knows. About, if, here's, a, here's a threat in that song. There's an actual threat. He's, he knows if you've been uh, yeah, bad or good, so you better be good for goodness sake. Yeah. What, what's the <laughs> consequences though? I guess maybe Krampus, the, uh, the half goat, half <clears throat> demon. Consider the statistics too of all the the new parents that bring their infant kids to sit on Santa's lap. How many of them sit there and like, oh, and how many go? Ah! I'd totally freak out. Just pee on Santa's lap. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have one of my favorite Christmas pictures. First year, um, my son Thomas and his cousin Tyler, because there's only like seven weeks between the two of them, so they're both babies, mm. right? And Thomas is sitting there like generally interested in whatever seems to be going on, and Tyler's just bawling, yeah. And they're both uh, sitting on Santa's lap, and you have one of them that's just kind of like, oh, this is interesting, and Content, the other one's yeah, losing totally their losing their mind. So you have Santa in the middle, just yeah, kind of yeah. like a, a blank, it's uh, a great picture. deer in headlights expression. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> pretty, uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, what about Christmas carols, they say, is actually from the pagan tradition. In Yule, of, right? The Anglo-Saxon of was hail was was sailing is with it which is essentially again um in the tradition of making a celebration out of you know in we we need to find times during the year and occasions to give ourselves a break mm -hmm. and when man gives himself a break when he gives himself a holiday he'll find he's made himself a holy day so a lot of times these necessary holidays become um, holy days, right? So the holiday of the winter solstice becomes a holy day, but initially it was just a chance to break from the norm. And while people are out, you know, getting drunk and having a good time, they're going house Spiked to house singing, on. right? That's just kind of a tradition. <laughs> there wasn't anything... Um, uh, uh, wicked about it there wasn't anything uh, mean about it or underhanded about it they were mm. just like you, you come out of the bar and like we're gonna go singing now and they all went and sung their bar tunes from house to house as the origin story of any good song yeah, yeah. well and and then the christmas tradition of doing the same thing with christmas carols they're saying is connected to this um 
Wassailing. Well, and wassail is considered part of the Christmas tradition too. So you know, you go have you some eggnog, and everybody get together and go out and sing. Yeah, go sing. Yeah, good tidings to your neighbors, and you better watch out. You better not cry, and all of those. Or Santa's gonna come and punch you in the eye. That so was, uh, yeah, not intended I, to rhyme, I, I find that a hard connection to make. That Christmas carols are somehow pagan. I mean, See, this is where Silent I, Night, Holy Night. This is kind of uh, where, yeah, where that's I, pagan. I, I line up mm. with this stuff. It's it's the same with uh, with Halloween and, and any of these other traditions. There are holidays that we can't celebrate in some some eyes. It's like there. Uh, think of it like music, okay? Like with music in general, I could write four chords and, and go write a song right now, um, but. The uh, amount of the sheer amount of songs that have already been written with those four chords and and very similar melody structure, it's impossible to write an original song anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so goes it with with Halloween. Well, sorry, Halloween. I love Halloween, so I'll just say it naturally. <laughs> but like holidays in general, all these traditions are just rampant in in all these different cultures, and and some cultures so far from each other that couldn't have even been connected and, and share these these uh, traditions. They just happen to do them yeah you know so to to just blame any one specific culture or to just say something is bad simply because a bad culture did it um uh, i don't know i i don't i like i said i don't mean to offend or insult anybody i just think it's narrow-minded um if you're at this point of i don't celebrate it and then you shouldn't celebrate it either if you don't celebrate it because your own convictions that's your business and that's fine it's more respectable that way but to tell me i'm celebrating something that's somehow pagan or i'm doing something wrong because i like putting tree uh, trees up in my house like you might want to step off a little bit it it seems to me the that these traditions now are so far removed from whatever they say their pagan roots were that i don't know that we can call those pagan roots anymore that this is a unique tradition in and of the the uh, Christian worldview as we as we practice it, and though there may be some similarities, you almost have to do a little bit of like intellectual gymnastics mm. to make the case that something like Christmas caroling was at some point pagan. Right. Yeah. Uh, the next one I think is the same thing too. They talk about like kissing under the mistletoe. And that being from from pagan, I've got mistletoe hanging up. But by the way, we didn't kiss when you came in, Sam. Where? Like right? It's right up there. Oh, I see it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, I could. I, to, I totally could have yeah, gotten, got your, gotten lucky you got today. Your mistletoe. I completely ignored and, it. Yeah. I remember being a teenager. I thought that'd be a fun tradition, but um, I didn't have the opportunity much to <laughs> yeah. play with that. I mean, tradition. seriously though, I was never the lucky guy. Yeah. Ever. That didn't happen much. No. Um, Movies uh, are too uh, enticing. As yeah. Kids. They're not yeah. real. They're so far from reality. Anyways, go ahead. What 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 they say is that in the the Roman world that mistletoe somehow connected to Saturn again, and that um, they would do these fertility rituals Saturnalia underneath the mistletoe. So for by fertility is essentially orgies. Yeah, that well, were happening. Um, and of course, that's part of that's kissing, I guess. But that goes a lot further than that for us to say that those are too connected. I don't think. I don't it, remember the. It's, last. it's requiring some backflips there. At I don't. Least. I don't remember the last time I went to grandma's for Christmas and saw everybody orgying. Yeah, under, for, under the I'm mistletoe. Sorry, that doesn't. And for the druids, That'd be really traumatizing. They say for the druids, uh, mistletoe symbolizes peace and joy. So if two warring groups met then the understanding was if they met underneath mistletoe that there would be an immediate truce, at least for that evening. Well, see, that's not negative. No, that's a good thing. 
Like, so uh, now we got and, a negative and, that, and a positive. And that the kiss... Or maybe two positives, depending on the kiss everything's was, relative. Yeah. <laughs> the kiss was a way of, like, sealing the truce. Yeah. Right? Like a handshake might be. Right? So, um, again, I think you're having to do an awful lot of gymnastics to make this work, to say that, okay, the, our mistletoe traditions as we... Well, kissing back then was now, different, too. It wasn't... The, I mean, that's the thing is... is Two guys could kiss, but it was also a, a sign of vulnerability. Like, I'm getting close enough to you that you could, you know, stick a, a knife in my kidney or you yeah, could have one yeah. of your guys take me away. Like, it was so some trust there. Yeah, it was yeah. A, a big sense of trust. Same, right. same with uh, handshaking and, and things of that nature. So, yeah. that couldn't possibly be bad. No. So. No, I don't think so. Uh, and then you've got the Christmas trees and decorating Christmas trees and that, um, uh, I, well, generally speaking, um, I, that was you're coming into a time of year when you're seeing not a lot of growth, mm. right? When we've talked about this before with our Halloween episode, as you're going into the winter seasons and they would have their harvest festival and they would gather everything. So they would take their, their, you know, a few brand of trees that stay green, that don't lose their color mm. in, in the summer and when it says decorating them, it wasn't necessarily like we decorate them with lights and, and ornaments. It was a facade of saying, see, here there's still bloom even in the winter. Because it would be decorated with fruits and vegetables that they had gathered yeah. from the, you know, from the harvest. So they would essentially put the fruit back up on the tree or make it look like it had grown from that tree, mm -hmm. as if to say, okay, here is a tree that's still in bloom in a season when there isn't a lot, right? It's kind of like the provision is still there. So, um, and that's, they say that's where we get our Christmas tree. I don't know, even that doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of like religious um, ties to it. That's more of a... It's more of just like symbolism and, and stylistic choice. Yeah. You know, because I mean, in, in some of the like Roman festivals and Saturnalia and stuff like that, they would do like... You know, I, I think it's called hanging of the greens, but I mean, they were essentially just putting branches and stuff up and decorating yeah. with tree branches. I, I don't, once again, the holly in the ivy. Yeah. Once again, as, as I've looked, I, I haven't seen too many, um, too many direct connections to anything sick or pagan or, or ritualistic. Yeah. It's just more of a, yeah, no, they we say we just the, did it during the, our practices. The exchange of holly wreaths was just seen as a sign of good luck. Yeah. You exchange that as is good luck. So yeah, these, there might be some point of contact because, um, uh, it's, it's hard to actually, like you were saying in musically speaking, come up with something that's like actually new mm -hmm. these ideas, you know, with, uh, um, your, uh, music is mathematically limited in the sense of you've got a vast variety of notes that you can put together in any organization. Um, but there are only so many chords, right? And so the sequence of chords has probably been used somewhere at some point. So, you know, to, to hey, I've got a brand new idea here. Most, most ideas don't just happen in a vacuum. They're usually like built within some kind of structure and context. So a lot of the Christmas traditions also came out of some kind of structure and context. That doesn't mean if there was some religious tie to it that that still exists at right. all or that we're somehow recognizing uh, Odin or um, the uh, worshiping Saturn as a god 
because there might have been at one point some context where, you know, tree decorating was seen as a sign of worshiping Saturn as a god. You're not participating in the same thing when you go put an angel at the top of your tree. It's an angel at the top of your tree or a star. The star's there because the shepherds followed the star. The angel's there because it was the angel that delivered the message, right? That What else do you put at the top of your tree? Those are the two options. A pickle? Yeah, I've never seen a tree with a pickle on top. I have. It's weird. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> we we had a pickle ornament that was considered like if you found the pickle ornament, you got an extra prize. Or yeah, it was an, th- an extra gift, but it was on the tree somewhere. It if, wasn't on the top. If I'm not mistaken, I think that's German rooted. Somebody can correct me if they want yeah, to. But, yeah. but essentially, we did that a little bit too. You would take the pickle and then hide it somewhere, tuck it back in yeah. the branches. And the whoever finds find the it. pickle gets, yeah. there's another gift, a simple, you know, Ours or a snack like or something. That, secret stocking or yeah, something. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, but no, I've never seen it on the top, on the top of our trees, we put a star or we put an angel. Those are the two options. Yeah. Those are very Christian options. Those aren't pagan at all. There's nothing pagan about the star that led them to, you know, the stable, yeah. the shepherds. There's nothing pagan about the angel that delivered the message. I don't know about you. I that put, a I put Baphomet up on my tree. Yeah. I, Krampus <laughs> is sitting right, right atop my <laughs> My upside down Christmas tree holding an upside down star and the head of a child. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit. So that's some of the pagan pagan stuff. Let's let's look at like the when we celebrate this as a Christian event, and sometimes we forget, it's the incarnation yeah. that we are celebrating. And that as an event in history um is something that's unique within uh Christianity. Though they might say that's something else that's borrowed from from pagan ideas, right? The the uh, the idea that uh, a god has a child, and that child has godlike qualities too. Only mm-hmm. in the traditions that would have existed when Christianity came to be, right? Judaism existed, and they've had Roman and Greek mythology and all that. If the god had a kid, it was usually a demigod, right? It was. Uh, Zeus fooling around with some mortal woman that creates like Hercules, that right. creates some of these other like in the pantheon of gods. So this is this is a uh, uh, number one. It's not necessarily it's not God coming to join us in the human realm. It's it's picking out somebody else that's going to join the pantheon, right? Mm. If anything, it's pulling away from the humanity in that sense, rather than giving to, um, and what they, what they have is, um, it's, it's very, very different than the idea of who Jesus was, because that's also how in ancient history, you get a lot of your heroes, your heroes had at some point in their family line, a God parentage at one point. And that creates these, you know, again, demigod Hercules level, larger than life heroes of old. So that's, that's the context in which it comes in. And then in the midst of that, you get this, this whole budding movement that's talking about the idea that God himself comes into his creation. Mm. That's different. It's a completely different idea than Zeus um, making another demigod, right? Yeah. Um, and, and this 
when God comes into his creation, he comes as a baby, right? And he's also not a baby that's born in a palace somewhere. He's born in a stable somewhere. Um, that's That completely defies the direction the first century would have gone with this story, if mm. it was made up, yeah, right? If right. somebody was going to make up the Christian story and they had to make Jesus into a god, the way they would go about doing it is the same way we get our other demigods. They wouldn't go about and say, okay, no, God himself comes into human form and he does so as this weak, infant, vulnerable child and grows up in the same way, has to learn how to talk, doesn't know all that stuff right away. That's not the story that you would get out of first century if you were trying to recreate the Christian myth mm. or mythos. It would look very differently. Um, and I think that kind of uh, lends to the fact that it's a true story. It's not the kind of story someone could just make up. Right. That way, right. Because they did make up those stories. They sound and look completely different. Yeah. Right. So looking at the, the story as it is, right, where we get it, um, I'm going to only look at three passages uh, in particular with the incarnation. And uh, starting in John chapter 1, right in the beginning, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. So we get uh, this this idea of word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And um, if you're looking, any translation you're looking at, they should have that W-O-R-D written in a capital W, mm. right? They may even have the whole word written in some, yeah, in in some, some capital, like making it clear that this is an important word. It's not the word lowercase W-O-R-D. It's the word capital W-O-R-D, right? And um, that's because it's talking about this idea of, or the term that they're using there is logos, right? This, this idea of what, what is reason, what is truth, what is uh, um, fact? All, all of that, um, what, what is existence is essentially this idea of the logos all, encompasses all these things. So that which was in the beginning was reasonable. This idea of reason, logic, truth, uh, and that that was God and that uh, was also with God. So... You know, you have this this uh, already connection that uh, God, God Himself encompasses all truth, all reason, and then uh, as we come down to verse fourteen, that word, that logos, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glories of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, that this this idea of the logos puts on flesh. It, it says it dwelt among us, and the term dwelt there would be like um, uh, to to tent with somebody, right? So um, you think of going camping, mm. and uh, you're going to stay with somebody in a tent, right? A small confined space where you are going to essentially live with that person, and in a camping trip, that's going to be relatively short-term, so mm. to speak. But... Um, they say one of the things that a family can do 
um, to kind of bond well, one of the best things to do is to go camping. Yeah. And one of the reasons for that is because it sucks. <laughs> it's because yeah. everything that can go wrong will go wrong. Right, it's gonna rain. It's gonna be too cold. You're not gonna be able to sleep very well. That it, that whole thing is gonna be one big nightmare. Faux pas after you the next. Shower in the river. Yeah, you, yeah. You're peeing in the trees. Your toilet paper is leaves. Yeah. It's it's, why would anybody do this? This sounds like a terrible plan. Well, the thing is, later on, when you're talking about these events that were so awful in the moment, everyone's laughing about it. And you're you're creating fond memories where you all had to bond up against the common enemy, and the common enemy was being able to sleep. You know, it was you know just staying warm enough, stuff like that. It's it's kind of striving against the elements that way, right? And it it bonds a family together. But that would be the case of anybody that you lived in close quarters with mm. for um, long term as well. So when it says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, it's saying it, it tinted among us. It's a close confining uh, space in which it's, it's living um, this, this logos or Jesus is dwelling with us, knowing us the same way you would know somebody that you lived your entire life with in, in a camping situation. Yeah. You know that dude pretty well. Yeah. You know how he snores at night. You what know, he smelled like. Exactly, right? Yeah. You, you know all the habits, whether you wanted to or not. You know them well more than you care to, mm. right? So the idea that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that that's how intimately close Jesus knows us in the process of God putting flesh on and coming to dwell with his creation, mm. right? So we get this idea of incarnation, and that is foreign. That's foreign in any other religious ideal that God would do this. God is is that which is bigger and and separate and apart from his creation. Well, Christianity recognizes that he's bigger than his creation because he's made it all. But what's unique is that he actually steps into that story, right? The author becomes part of the story mm. himself. Another passage on this that talks about this is in Philippians here, chapter 2, um, that it, it says here that uh, it's the idea of God emptying himself. Um, so I'm going to skip down to verse 5. This is Philippians 2, 5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow, those who are in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Right? That's Philippians uh, 2. Um so this idea of he empties himself, and and again, God steps into humanity not as a fully grown adult man um, at the peak of his own ministry, but as a baby. He steps in as an infant, and that is about as vulnerable as you can get. What's more, it's an infant that's essentially with a family at that moment that was homeless, mm. and they were staying in... Uh, a, a space that wasn't even considered where you would go 
to spend the night. Right? Just a normal person. Right. Even. A normal person visiting the town would have been in a hotel room, you know, whatever, renting a space. Then They were essentially homeless at that point. Someone was kind enough to give them a barn space to, to sleep in that would protect them from the cold and probably taking pity on the fact that this woman was obviously pregnant and about to deliver, right? So um, that that's, again, it's completely foreign to what other ancient literature would have said at that time. If they were going to rewrite Christianity, the way they would have done it was God would show up like Hercules. Mm-hmm. He, would, he wouldn't show up as this infant baby. He would show up already as this powerful conqueror, able to do things that, you know, basic people can't do. Right. Then the last one I wanted to look at is out of Colossians chapter 1, um, 15 to 20 here. It says, He is the the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. So this idea of Jesus existing before creation. Right, everything that's made is made on on his behalf, and that he again steps into his creation. That's completely foreign. Uh, the, you cannot come up with that if you're just going to invent Christianity out of your own imagination. Right? Uh, I I was looking for before we started all this a, a specific quote, which I was not successful in finding. Um, I did find some other good ones. Um, and um, particularly where I believe the quote came from was C.S. Lewis in the book Miracles. Mm. So one of the quotes I did find on that is, uh, he says, the central, central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares the way for this or results from this. This is the key statement of miracles in which C.S. Lewis shows that a Christian must not only accept but rejoice in miracles as a testimony of the unique personal involvement of God in his creation. Um, what, what I couldn't find was this idea of um, a, a religion you would make in your own mind. But I believe C.S. Lewis kind of unpacks this in miracles, that he talks about uh, there are two miracles that you have to believe if you're Christian, right? Regardless of where you're going to fall, denominationally speaking, um, you cannot actually call yourself a Christian if you deny the incarnation. Mm-hmm. doesn't work, right? Jesus is incarnate, you know, God. Um, God has stepped into his creation and become part of the story itself. You have to affirm that if you're going to be Christian. The other miracle you have to affirm if you want to deny all others, is the resurrection. You have to deny, you cannot deny that uh, Jesus was killed on a cross, publicly executed, and then rose from the dead. Those are requirements to call yourself Christian, right? You don't get to call yourself Christian and somehow deny those two points. You might, but you're not really Christian if you deny those two points. You have to accept those two miracles. 
And both of those miracles are um, in the same vein of the kind of thing that you might not invent, or they they uh, they ring true for the same reason. The incarnation rings true as if it was a if this was a religion somebody was going to invent, they would have designed that story very very differently. Right. The incarnation just kind of uh, flies in the face of that which you could just make up out of your own head. It has all those kind of elements about um, about things that are true. Right, you uh, you take like the the human form and how we've got two arms, two legs, two eyes, uh, two sides of our nose that we breathe out of. Right, yeah, everything's kind of bilateral when you cut us down the middle. So if you were to actually look inside, you might assume you'd find, and you would, two lungs, but you might find that you'd find what two stomachs? No, you don't. You might find that you've two hearts. You don't. You have one, and it's not quite center. It's off-center to one side. So just that one little bit, that's like that one thing you think, okay, I've got all this figured out. This all makes sense. There's that one little bit, and that's how, how real things are. Real things are not that simple. We can't just kind of um, base them down. They, they all have that, that, that one little bit of unexpected uh, surprise to them. And that's what we get with this incarnation. It's not the kind of thing you could have just invented in your imagination. There's a surprise there. There's something beyond what we could have come up with. And that surprise also, I think, uh, lends to the credibility that this is a true story, right? The other side to that is the resurrection. In the same way, if you were going to write this story here, um, the, the idea that um, God suffers and dies, pays the penalty. You might write a story where our hero comes back, right? You see that in every comic book. Every time they kill off one of the heroes, they got to bring him back again, mm-hmm. right? Because we don't like to lose our heroes and do that with Star Wars too, right? <laughs> they liked Boba Fett too much. They had to figure out a way for him to still be Spoiler alive. Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> right? <clears throat> so so it's, it's not surprising that we bring back the heroes that, that we like, but what, what would be surprising and, and unthought of, particularly by a first century mind, is that you would take God and you would kill him the way he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, hanging from a Jewish context, essentially being hung by the Romans on a cross. Like, that, that's not the way you would kill off the king of kings, for sure, if your intention was to bring, bring him back again. But then there's this other thing that um, any person that has had the misfortune to um, to be standing at a funeral for somebody you care about, and they're they're taking this person and they're putting them in the ground, right? There is something that resonates within all of us, all of us, that cries out: this idea of a resurrection, this this idea of death, can't be the end. Mm. This can't be the the end of this relationship. Um, if we're all just food for worms, then that that just cannot be true, and that is never more true in your mind than when you're honestly grieving the fresh loss of somebody you really care about. There's yeah. something within you that just decries that and says, there must be more to this, right? Your spirit, in a sense, is groaning to... Uh, God, that there be that there be more to life than just just the material life that we 
we're here for a while and then we're gone, right? The resurrection is the proof of that. We've seen it already happen in history, and we've been promised that we will also join him in that restored, resurrected state. When you're standing there by a gravesite, that's never the desire for that, the longing for that is never more true mm. at that lowest moment, at that weakest moment. So, those two miracles, the incarnation and the resurrection, not only are like you've got to have them if you're going to call yourself Christian, but they also are, uh, as I think, bookends, pairs to what makes Christianity so unique. And what lends itself, what cries across all other um, faiths, other philosophies, other religions, that that this stands um, and beats the test of truth better than any other, right? Um, and it's the two miracles that no other faith or philosophy or religion have, the incarnation and the resurrection. Mm. So, yeah, we come to the time of the year where we are celebrating that celebrating the fact that God steps into the story himself, celebrating that he makes possible for us <clears throat> an idea that, uh, that we're not just matter and, and flesh and at some point worm food, that there's more to humanity, the spiritual more to humanity um, that will extend beyond that, right? Mm -hmm. That is all celebrated in the gift of Jesus, so that's what Christmas uh, is, is essentially about. And you don't get any pagan roots for that. I'm sorry. You just don't. Yeah. You can't tie well, those and lines. And then ce celebrating all the other, uh, the other traditions in, in whatever fashion, whatever capa capacity, um, as long as you're not losing sight of, of you know, what you're truly celebrating, I don't see any, any reason why you can't enjoy the other stuff. Yeah. Just given the fact yeah. that there's so many obscure roots. <clears throat> So uh, I, I guess in yeah in, in closing, um, try to remember the, the meaning, but don't feel uh, don't feel pressured to not put up a tree this year, or whatever well, it is. In closing, definitely Merry Christmas because you're probably this will come out Christmas Day is the oh, plan, yeah, right? Because right. yeah, yeah. Christmas Day is a Friday. Probably won't hear it Christmas Day. So <clears throat> I was gonna say you, you're you need water, man. You, yeah, you've I been do. on uh, Merry Christmas, <laughs> Merry, Merry Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Yeah, that was a. <laughs> That was weird. <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, Merry, Merry Christmas to all. If you all have enjoyed this uh, podcast, um, go ahead and like and follow us on Facebook. If you want to send us an email, um, it's the silent planet podcast at gmail.com. Um, share us with your friends and family. And uh, we are available on uh, Apple podcast, Spotify, and a whole slew of other ones. That I just don't feel like uh, Facebook commenting on. We're on the Facebook. So um, once again, I'm Thomas and I'm Sam. And this has been the silent planet podcast. We will catch you all next week.